Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Renaissance. You guys doing all right this morning? Hey, listen, before I get into this, um, if you all don't mind, we can just have maybe two or three more moments of worship. There's a couple of things that the Lord has laid on my heart for, um, for this time, and I'll come and do a proper introduction. But if you all don't mind, let's just spend a couple more moments loving on the Lord. Um, you know, whenever you start playing, it's fine. Just let's just y'all all right. Just spend a couple more moments worshiping the Lord. Are you okay with that? If you want to sit, you can sit. All right. But I think that this moment is more for me than anything. Um, I I pray that, you know, you can encounter God. One thing that I find out, I can't help it. I'm a preacher. Sorry. One thing that I found out, you know, as Pastor Jeff gave me this, this topic is that Jesus found a way to, while there were lots of crowds and lots of people, he found a way to minister to individuals. And I just want to take three minutes, if that's okay with you all. Let's just allow God to speak to you in this moment, if that's okay. It's okay because I got the microphone. So (laughs) let's just, let's just, if you just go ahead and begin to play and we'll just see what happens here. Mm. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Just talk to him. We love you, Lord. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. that part yeah and I will love you Lord my strength come on yeah sing it out and I will love you Lord my shield and I will love you Lord my rock come on forever forever all my days I will love you, God. Come on, that's what we're going to stay for a moment. And I will love you, Lord of mine. I will love you, God. And I will love you, Lord of my shield. I will love you, God. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your presence in this place. Yeah. I will love you, God, and I will love you, say, I will love you. My heart will love you, God, yes. Jesus, you alone are worthy of our worship, and I will love you. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. Come on now, one more time real big. We'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Yeah, yeah, right there, right there. Sing hallelujah, our God reigns. We sing hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Forever all my days. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's in this room. For God, it's your presence alone that breaks us free. It's your presence alone that heals us. It's your presence alone that delivers us. God, we come here expecting an encounter with you that will change our lives forever. God, don't let us get caught up in, 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 in who else is here. All that matters is that you're in the room. So God, we want to encounter you today. Because it's the encounter with you that changes our lives forever. God, I thank you for being in this place. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me something. But these people don't need to hear me. They need you. We need you. That's why we're here. So let us touch the hem of your garment this morning. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, one thing, one thing 
before I get into this is this. Jesus was on his way to take care of some business and there was a crowd of people that were around Jesus. And Jesus found it so important to take a moment to minister to one woman. He broke through uh, religion. I'll say it that way. He broke through religion. He broke through his plan to go and, and visit someone else. And he stopped and ministered to a woman. That woman said to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. And can you imagine what she had to go through? I didn't come to preach this, but I see what, what kind of time I got, and I'm going to use it wisely. <laughs> can you imagine what she had to go through? That woman with the issue of blood, she was bleeding for 12 years. And she has to press through a crowd of people just to touch Jesus. And he, Jesus says in that moment, who touched me? And when he said, who touched me, the disciples look at him and say, Jesus, you got to be out of your mind because look at all the people in here. I'm going to say something to you right now. Look at all the people in this room. This is nothing compared to, and there's quite a few people in here. It's nothing compared to the crowd that was pressing up against Jesus. And he says, who touched me? He's walking and everybody around him is touching. But there was a difference between that woman and everyone else. She touched the hem of his garment with a demand on what he had. She had reached the end of her rope. And she says to herself, the Bible says, she said to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Listen, if we as believers can have that same tenacity, if we can have that same fire, that same zeal that that woman had. You know, I think some of our issues is that we got too much. She was at the end of her rope, see. She understood that the only way she was going to be healed is as if it was by God's supernatural power. She presses through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus stopped in his tracks for that woman. Now, we can find ourselves as that woman pressing through the crowd. We can find ourselves as the crowd trying to stay close to Jesus, which that's how most of us are, which is a great place to be. Or we can find ourselves as believers, in, and, you know, I'm not going to take for granted that, that there's not many other leaders in this room. But as leaders, we can find ourselves in the position that Jesus was in. We're not Jesus, but in the position that Jesus was in, and we respond a bit differently. Because we'll focus on the crowd. We'll take the time to tend to the needs of the crowd. But when there's one person that's pulling us against our plan. When there's one person that's pulling us against what we thought the day was supposed to look like. It's one person that's just too radical and they worship. And they interrupt our service. Well, y'all know some folks like that. And we find ourselves in the position that Jesus was in, but maybe we don't respond like Jesus. Because in the, in the church world, and maybe I'm just doing this for myself. I don't know if this is blessing somebody or not, but this is maybe just for me. In the church world, we'll find ourselves wanting to see how big the crowd can go and not pay attention to the individual. Listen, I like big crowds. I enjoy big crowds. But something that was important to Jesus was the individual. What's the crowd without the individual? I'll say this this way, and then I'll get into my regular planned message here, and that's this. What is our congregation? What is our church services? What, sorry, let me say it this way. What is the quality of our congregation if we don't take time with the individual? A lot of us will find ourselves in that place where we're okay with being a part of the crowd. But when it's our moment to be touched by Jesus, we'll, we'll pretend as if we don't need it and we'll allow for regular scheduled programming. That's why I believe the Lord led me in that moment just a few minutes ago. Because the regular scheduled program for, for some of us, we got to get out of that. I'm not saying do away with the plan. I love the plan. I believe that the plan is a part of our worship. I believe that. There are times when we need a touch from the, the master. We need a touch from the only one. Listen, I can't heal you. My message cannot heal you. There's nothing that I can say to you outside of the power of God that can cause you to be changed. But if you can have a moment with Jesus, all of this is worth something. All the plan goes out the window if we can't have a moment with Jesus. We've just done church. And if, if, if any of you all were here before, you know, I'm done with doing church. So I, I, we, we heard it before, right? When you can go to church, we're going to be the church. I'm going to be the church. I ain't the, I'm going to be the church. 
The whole purpose of this gathering is for us to see Jesus. That's why we're here. Get back to this register. Okay. So my name is Pastor Jameson Wheeler. And I am really um, a bit overwhelmed at Pastor Jeff's introduction. I almost didn't even want to come up. But Renaissance has become like family for me. I'm really grateful for, you know, the, the staff here. I say this every time, but the staff and all the work that's put in to what you all get to enjoy every Sunday. Can you all do me a favor and just, I feel at home, so I'm going to do this, okay? If you would all do me a favor and just stand and let's praise God for your pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Jeff, we honor you. Pastor Joe, we honor you. Chris, we honor you. All the staff, praise God for the staff, the worship team here at Renaissance, we honor you. Amen. Listen, y'all, this is a bit weird for me. I ain't going to lie. Y'all so dignified. <laughs> I, I like it, though. I like it. You know, some folks act like they got some sense because where I come from, we ain't got no sense. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. But I honor God for the work that's happening here at Renaissance. You know, some people can, can um, this is my rant for a moment, and then I'm going to get to where I'm supposed to go. But some people will take what's happening at Renaissance and will be offended by it because of all the work that's being put into the community here at Renaissance. And as pastors, we absolutely have an obligation to shepherd and steward the community of people that God has entrusted to us. So it would be foolish for us to pay more attention to what's happening outside of these walls. And God has entrusted us with the hearts and souls of people and not pay attention to what's happening where God has called us to steward. So I absolutely appreciate what God is doing here at Renaissance through the leaders and the vision that God has given here. And you can just tell the presence of the Lord is all over this place. You walk into the coffee shop, you smell the coffee, but you see the presence of the Lord. Community, people just sitting and having, you know, breakfast together and all that kind of stuff. I really appreciate that. And that's, that's my rant because I could really preach that this whole time. But I thank God for that and I thank God for you all. So Pastor Jeff asked me this question. He said, what's that one thing that's prominent, that was prominent in the ministry of Jesus? And I had to look up what prominent meant because I'm not that smart. <laughs> and what's that one thing that was prominent in the ministry of Jesus and you think should be equally prominent in the ministry of the church today? Now, that's a loaded question. I love this series because when I get to preaching this series, sometimes I get to go on my soapbox and rant. But today I felt an assignment from the Lord just to come and share this, this aspect of things. And it's simple. It's discipleship. This is where I thought I was going to spend my time today until last night. I thought I was going to spend my time in discipleship. Because where I come from, the, the, the circle of believers that I come from, we will, we, will, we will spend a lot of time on outreach and winning souls. And we'll look at, and whoever has the scripture, if you can just put up Matthew 28. I didn't copy him, so I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be bold and just turn to look and read. But if you can put up Matthew 28, because we'll take this great commission from Jesus and we'll look at it as if, as if, you know, this is about winning the loss. And really, this is not about winning the loss. Let's just read it and see. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that. When they saw him, they worshiped him. I can't be a real preacher today. I want to stop right there, but I'm not. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and watch this, make disciples of all nations. So some of us will take this scripture and we'll use this as our as our outreach scripture. We'll say, yeah, let's go and win the loss. But that's not what Jesus said. So let's go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to stop right there for a moment because discipleship and winning a loss are two different things. See, winning a loss is when you go out and you find people who don't know the Lord and you share with them the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, how he died on the cross for our sins. Y'all know the story. He was buried in a, in a borrowed tomb. I could really black preach this thing. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, come on, somebody, he got up out of that grave. That's the gospel, right? That's the good news and that he did it just for us. That's how we win the loss. But making disciples is dirty work. 
After the lost is reached, the next part of the process is called make disciples. And this is where Jesus put his emphasis on his his this command, this commission to the body of Christ. I feel God in this room. He put his command, this commission to the body of Christ. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And and part of the church has made this about outreach. And another part of the church has made this about doing church. Having our church service. But the disciple is not made in Sunday morning service. It's no time for discipleship in the Sunday morning service. Discipleship is made in how we do life together. We talk about it. We do life together. I'm doing life with you, brother, until something go down and it get too dirty. And now I got to keep my distance because, you know, that's not what Christians do. But the Lord challenged me. Because this is, I think some of you all know, I'm fairly new as a lead pastor, but this is something that God has been challenging me on ever since I started. The Lord challenged me in the shower. He reminded me of this this challenge last night in the shower, and he said, but what is discipleship without relationship? Because then we'll find ourselves, right, creating discipleship programs, well, we have a class for this and a class for that. I'm just going to talk about, you know, where I come from. I don't know what y'all do here at Renaissance, but there's a, there's a men's group. There's a women's group. There's an usher's group. There's a young people's group. There's a, there's a worship team group. There's a group of people and everybody, you know, and we'll, we'll do these studies and we'll read a book and all that kind of stuff together. And we'll call that our discipleship program. But really, the real discipleship program is how Jesus walked with the, the twelve. He goes up to him and he says, and he says, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me let me say this and then I'll go back there. Discipleship is important because everything that's supposed to happen in the church is produced by the disciple. I believe that with everything in me. I believe that if you want a church to grow financially, it's done through the work of discipleship because disciples don't have a problem giving. You don't have to tell disciples and remind them every week to give money. Okay. Talking about, I'm not asking nobody to give any money, okay? You can take a deep breath. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't have to. When someone is a disciple and they've given their life to the Lord, finances are nothing to give to the mission that God wants to do. You don't have to worry about volunteers because when a person is a disciple, they see something and they do it. A disciple doesn't wait for the janitor to go and pick up a piece of paper off the floor. A disciple says, this is my church. I'm going to pick the paper up. Oh, that must have touched somebody right there. Y'all waiting on them to pay the janitorial staff. You don't have to ask disciples to volunteer. A disciple doesn't mind sitting behind the camera. I want to see the mission go forward. I believe in the mission because I'm a disciple. And so I don't mind if I have to do it every Sunday. Man, why does it feel so tense? Y'all don't like volunteering? Don't worry about it. Become a disciple first. Then you qualify to volunteer. So everything that's supposed to happen in the church is produced out of the disciple, but the disciple is produced out of relationship. Relationship births something. If you want to know how that works, if you look at the book of Genesis, I didn't give them the scripture, y'all. I I told them I feel at home, so I'm at home right now. When you look at the book of Genesis and when God brought Eve to Adam, I ain't going to preach a, a marriage seminar to you, but hey, Adam, something happened. You know, when Adam got that rib taken out of him, he saw the woman, he's like, whoa, man. (laughs) I see you she look good (laughs) I'm glad my wife is not here because I'll stop and talk about her right here the Bible says Adam knew Eve and then they begot a son that's King James for some of y'all so in other words Adam knew Eve and then she got pregnant what happens now I'm going to keep this PG for a moment okay but what happens don't, don't throw rocks at me, because I'll throw them back. I promise I will. You throw a rock, I'm throwing it right back at you. What, what happens if someone has a baby with somebody they don't know? In the church world, we'll call that an illegitimate pregnancy, right? Hello? We'll call that illegitimate, right? We'll say that's, that's not supposed to happen that way. I'm not even talking about being married now. You know, some of y'all, y'all, y'all act dignified now, but y'all been to the bars, right? <laughs> some of y'all in this room done had some one-night stands, so don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. 
all of y'all ain't wait till marriage, all right? So look, don't play with me. You know, we just keep this thing cordial and truthful. It's illegitimate pregnancy. And then things begin to get real sticky, right? The custody and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? If I was at, if I was at home, home, I would say, you got baby mama drama. You know, you, 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 got, you, you don't really know her. So when you go and get the kids because you don't know her, you don't know her tendencies, you don't know what she likes, then raising a child together becomes difficult. Relationships birth something. So Jesus goes and he sees Peter, James, and John. No, he sees the, the Zebedee boys. I don't know all their names, but Peter and them out on the boat. And they fishing. And what did he say to them? Did he say, come to my church? Hey, I'm going to give you this track. I'm going to give you a flyer. You know, we got church service on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. My pastor is awesome. Does he say, come and I'm going to make you a disciple? Come on, join my discipleship program. What did he say? He said, come and follow me. See what I do and then imitate me. That's what discipleship looks like. Jesus took 12 men and they literally lived together. That's really doing life. For us, doing life is coming to church on Sunday or Bible study day. But Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to live together. He literally took Peter out of his home. Then he became responsible for the well-being of these 12 men. We don't want to look at the Bible like that, though. These 12 guys probably saw each other unclothed. Come on, they didn't have private showers back then. So that, that shows us a little bit something about discipleship, though. If I'm committed to the process of discipleship as a disciple maker, quote unquote, and as a disciple, then I'm committed to a lifestyle of openness. A lot of times our structure does not allow for that. Because if I walk in this room and I tell you that I'm struggling with something that's frowned upon, let me back up a little bit. If I tell you I'm struggling with something that's frowned upon, most times, in most cases, I'm unwilling to walk you through that process. So this discipleship requires relationship, true discipleship now. It can't happen from a distance. So I've got to be willing as a, as, as a disciple myself to walk with you through the tough times. I'll celebrate, celebrate victories, but I'm also going to walk you through the struggle. Because let's be honest, Christianity is not for the weak at heart. We like to put flowers and cotton candy to it. but It's not for the weak at heart. Jesus says, if you're unwilling to forsake everything, you're not worthy to follow. Uh, okay. Whew. Help us, Jesus. If you're not willing to forsake everything, you're not worthy to follow me. That's what Jesus said. It's not me. That's his words. So Christianity can be tough, which means discipleship is a tough process. I'm not going to get into the details of what some of that look like today because I'm not trying to offend nobody. But as the church, we've got to be willing to walk with people through things we don't necessarily agree with. Can we leave it like that? Y'all catch my drift? We can leave that and we can move on? Cool. Discipleship is dirty. But relationship is what births the disciple. Can you imagine being Peter? Just walk with me for a moment being Peter or any of the disciples who later became apostles who got persecuted for what they taught. Could you imagine being persecuted for the words of somebody you had not seen live life? What if they just heard about Jesus from around the way? You think they'd be willing to give their life for him? This is something I heard. They saw it. Watch this, bro. Relationship is important, but relationship is also powerful. When you look at Jesus' first miracle, he turned water into wine, right? Why did he do that? Because his mom asked him to. (laughs) Jesus, being so committed as a son, so obedient as a son, we ain't going to talk about obedience because that's a tough spot for us, too. Mary just says, hey, look, man, we got a problem. Fix it. (laughs) It's like, okay, my mom told me to do it, so I do it. 
It was relational. A lot of us will get stuck in the, in the, in the, the, the mentality of, of building something huge with a bunch of people, but the bunch of people we really don't know or haven't even set up some type of structure for people to know and live with one another. And so then we'll, you'll see a culture of the church right now where people are willing to do projects without having relationships. And so they'll come together and we'll say, hey, we're going to do a big thing for the city. I don't really know you, but, you know, we want the church to come together. Oh, I'm messing with folks now. We want the church to come together. I don't really know you, but I know that, hey, you a pastor and you a pastor and you a pastor. So let's do something. Let's do something. Here's a, my favorite word. Let's do something for the community, brother. And then we'll pray, God, bring the body together. Bring the body of Christ together. We want to see unity because we want revival. But it can't happen without relationship. I don't know you, so I can't work with you. Because the moment you go, this is why I love Pastor Jeff, and I'm making in trouble for talking about him like this, but me and him are pretty similar in some areas. We're not really much of talkers outside of this. Like, God has to really do something for us to come up here and do this. And so if I did not know Pastor Jeff, I may be offended because sometimes he just stand off. Is that not the Pastor Jeff y'all know? I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, Pastor Jeff. That's why you got somebody like Joe. Talk to everybody. Right? And Pastor Jeff can go and be comfortable somewhere and hear from the Lord in silence. And then come and bring you a word from the Lord because he doesn't have to be as personable all the time. But you absolutely know he loves you. That's something that you you'll never doubt. But if I did not know Pastor Jeff, I'm be offended. And so then if we were going to do something together, we do a project. I'm like, man, I ain't heard from this dude in three weeks. And we got three weeks until the project. What I'm going to do? Oh, man, he just a slacker, blah, 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 blah. I don't know him. And so now this, this misunderstanding of who he is. And now I can't mess with Pastor Jeff. We ain't friends no more. So I'm trying to do something with him without having a relationship. The project becomes illegitimate, like that baby. We can't do it together. Why? We don't know one another. Jesus says this, because I'm getting all over the place. Let me go back to some scripture here. (laughs) Jesus says this in John chapter 17. Let's look at that. John chapter 17 says, I pray not only for these. So real. let me back this up real quick. This is the real Lord's Prayer. What we find in Matthew 6, that's Jesus telling his disciples how to pray. So that's really, that prayer is for us. This is how we pray. But this is literally the Lord praying. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the disciples. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. Why? So the world may know or may believe you sent me. Being one. So the two, go back to Genesis, right? The two become one flesh. They knew each other. The the relationship was intimate. There were no parts that were uncovered. I'm willing to be uh, naked and unashamed in front of you. There are some people that I can't bear it all to, but I really believe that Pastor Jeff is one of those people that I can just come and just, I I am not going to get naked literally. (laughs) 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 that would be weird but I can be honest with him we had lunch you know a couple months ago and I was just hey listen man sometimes pastoring is rough I'm encouraged because I know what God what I see God doing in the future but right now it's tough for me and there are days where I literally want to quit some people you can open up to like that can you imagine what would birth out of that relationship I'm okay with spending time on the relationship because I understand and I see that this relationship is going. And I'm just going to take a moment and prophesy. So if you don't believe in prophecy, just close your ears for a little bit. I believe that this relationship is going to birth something that this city has never seen. You don't really see churches coming together as one body. You don't see that happening much in the city. Matter of fact, Sunday mornings are the most segregated time in Decatur and all over the world within the body of Christ. You know what, what I've already talked to, to our congregation about doing? The next time this happens, we bring the whole church. 
So, so, so you clapping now, but some of y'all better get here early because you ain't gonna have your seat. And I'm gonna let you know up front. I'm gonna let you know up front right now, they loud. It's about 10 people, but they gonna tear the roof off this place. <laughs> some of y'all go to Pastor Jeff and be like, they can't come back. <laughs> You don't see that type of stuff happening. But I trust what God is doing in this house because I know the leader. We have relationship with one another. I don't mind bringing people over here. We'll do it. This city, you don't see that kind of stuff happening. Can you imagine what would happen if all the leaders of this city were just friends with one another that way? Can you imagine what God would birth out of that? Twelve people who walked together, excuse me, 11, because Judas was gone, 11 people who walked together, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. You want to see God move in a city? Just start loving on Christians and being friends with Christians who don't go to your church. You want to see your workplace change? Just live life with the believers in your workplace who don't come here. Maybe they Baptists and they don't believe in speaking in tongues. Hi. <laughs> Discipleship requires relationship, and out of relationship births everything that God wants to do. You know how relational Jesus was? Watch this. Little short Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus climb up the tree. Jesus from the tree. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to your house. The Pharisees had problems with Jesus because he had relationships with sinners. Can you put that last verse back up real quick? Jesus says this this way. May they also be one in us so the world will believe you sent me. You want to reach the lost? Live life with other people. This literally shows the world that Jesus is the Christ. It's the scripture. Whoever take it down, you got to leave it up there because folks don't be believing it. <laughs> be one in us so the world will believe. That's winning the lost. The lost is won when the church lives with and loves on one another. Relationship births something. You want to know how relational Jesus was? Jesus is in Peter's house. Peter's not even living in his house. He's living with Jesus. And they stopped by Peter's house and watched the power of this relationship. I believe it was Peter's mother-in-law. Joe, you a, you a Bible scholar. Who was it? It was somebody that was related to Peter, right? Was his mother-in-law? Peter's mother-in-law is in there sick with a fever. What if Jesus wasn't eating over there? This relationship literally brought Jesus in proximity to my need. You have people in your life right now that are struggling with some stuff. It's like, man, if you can just get to Jesus, no, no, no. If they can just get in relationship with you. Oh, man, that's, that's not heresy, y'all. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. So when they have relationship with you, they've seen Jesus. That's how bold Jesus was about relationship. He says, when you see me, you see the Father. So I pray that when they see you, they see Jesus. Jesus was so relational that Jesus says, he, he literally says, I have come to do the will of my Father who sent me. That's how relational Jesus was. I've come to do the will of my Father who sent me. Watch what else happens in relationship. John chapter 21. It's where we spend the rest of our time today. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Maybe he was talking about bacon. You love me more than bacon? <laughs> yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. Let's keep going. He asked the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time Peter was grieved. That he was grieved that he asked him 
the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. He mad at Jesus now. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Watch this. Purpose, purpose is birth out of relationship. You want to know why you're here? This is, what, this is what discipleship looks like, right? For us that are shepherds, discipleship looks like me showing you to the shepherd. Oh, I got to preach it like this. And so Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the gifts that Jesus gave. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All of those gifts are given to the body of Christ for the body of Christ then to do the work of ministry. And so what, this is something that I live by. As a pastor, my ministry becomes making sure you get into yours. Pastoring is not about me building my brand. I thank God for opportunities to come and preach to people and go different places and and preach the gospel. But my responsibility as a shepherd is to make sure that the people that I shepherd get into what God called them to do. So I lay aside my I lay aside what I thought was 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 my goals. Right. That gets laid aside to make sure you accomplish yours. So he tells Peter, shepherd, my sheep. So for the body of Christ, our responsibility as leaders is to bring people to a place where they understand purpose. The only way for you to understand your purpose, though, is if you get to the creator. If you want to know why something was created, who do you ask? The creator. This is that's easy. y'all. That's not a quiz. Let's try it again. If you want to know why something is created, who do you ask? Thank you. That's so good. Y'all so smart. So I shepherd you to the creator for you then to find out why you were created. Jeremiah says, before I formed you, I knew you. This is God now establishing relationship before purpose. Says, before you were even formed, I knew you. And because I knew you, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. The purpose only becomes birth after relationship. So if I can become, if I can get in relationships with with people and then cause people to be in relationship with Jesus, then Jesus shows people why they're born. You know, that's most of our issues, right? Most of our issue with sin is not that we really struggle, you know, with sin. I said sin in church, S-I-N, sin. Most of our struggle with sin becomes, is, is, it, it comes out of us not really understanding why we're here. If a person is engulfed in purpose, you don't have to worry about sin. That's why Jesus could be bold and say, the devil has nothing in me. I'm engulfed in my purpose. That's why he can look at Peter, who was his friend, and say, get behind me, Satan. Why? All Peter was trying to do was protect him. No, he was stopping him from, he was trying to stop Jesus from fulfilling purpose. So he says, get behind me, Satan. Purpose, purpose causes Jesus to be so focused that no one can stop him from doing what he was supposed to do. You, don't, you won't struggle with some places of sin. The flesh will always be there. But we won't struggle with some areas of sin if we just get engulfed in purpose. I find myself the most tempted when I'm not pursuing purpose. When, I'm, when They say, you know, idle mind is the devil's playground. Well, my mind has to be filled with purpose. How does that happen, though? Because I got a relationship with Jesus. How do I have a relationship with Jesus? I don't have a problem with, with knowing that God has called me to equip the saints. I know that's my responsibility. If I stay focused on that responsibility, then temptation is not as hard to deny. That ain't had nothing to do with this message. That was free. <laughs> so as we, as we wrap up this morning, relationship was so important to Jesus. Jesus died so that we can have relationship. That's the gospel. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called the children of God. That was why Jesus came to earth, to bridge the gap between broken relationships. How is it? Somebody help me in this. Maybe not now, later we can talk about it. But how is it that we can be okay with our homes and the relationships in our homes and our families being broken and still try to come and serve the people of God? And have, have, have no, there's no plan of action as to how we can mend these broken relationships. You know what's birthed out of broken relationships? Chaos. 
Most of, uh, I don't know y'all in this room, but most people in this room, I would imagine that most of our problems come or derived from a place where home was broken. That was my story. Home was broken for me. And so it became really easy to, to follow a pattern. Even though I was in church, I've been preaching since I was 11. I've been in church since I was 11. Every Sunday, Friday, Saturday too. How we get here? Let's just stay. Most of our issues are come out of a place of broken relationships. Could this be a place where we need to really focus? Could this be? This was absolutely something that was important with Jesus. Jesus came to mend our relationship with our Father. Relationships are important to God. They were important to Jesus. Jesus was willing. Some of Jesus' most powerful moments when he was being was when he was being relational with people. There was three disciples out of the twelve that were so close to Jesus they got to see him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They see Jesus and they see Moses and Elijah show up. He took Peter, James, and John with him. Relationship was so important to Jesus. He's in a room. He's in a room with a with a with a person whose child is dying. He asked Peter, James, and John to come in there with him. It's relational. Everybody else get out of the room because what God wants to do in this room is only it, it, it's only going to happen when those that are close to the situation and those that are close to me can come together. So Peter, James, John, and the parents are in the room, and we see a miracle take place. Something relational. Most of us will live, and I, I can't. I keep saying most of us. I just, just including myself. Maybe it's not most of us, but some of us. We we'll put business over relationships. We'll put money over relationships. I've seen people fight over ten dollars. I'm talking about like brothers, two brothers fight over $10. It's $10, bro. But for the sake of getting ahead, we'll, 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 we'll easily lay aside relationship. For the sake of gaining something, we'll put relationship to the side. For many years in church, we've seen it where relationship was not important. As long as you come and maybe I don't think that's the case here, but as long as you come and you give your money and you volunteer when you're supposed to volunteer, I'm okay. I said I wasn't gonna go here, but I really feel the Lord leading me this way. So. We really have to do a, a better job, church. I'm talking to all of us now. I don't take for granted that the only people that are here this are the people in the room. But church, we have to do a better job of caring for those that are doing the work of the ministry. Most times, that's the loneliest place to be. Why is that? Why is it that because I preach and teach, I got to be lonely? I can't have friends. Can I challenge Renaissance for a moment? How often do you check on the well-being of your pastors? Like every time you call Pastor Jeff, is it really just to talk about a problem? Man, I need you to pray for me. How often do you call and say, how can I pray for you today? How often do you see Joe? Do you see Chris? Or do you see TJ and the rest of the staff here? Do you say, how are you today? How can I be praying for you? felt like I stepped on some toes there. It's easy for us to point out their flaws they in front of everybody. And they'll do something wrong and we'll leave. Jeff didn't say hi to me today. I'm not going back. Oh man. <laughs> might not be this church. Joe, Joe, you know, he's not his usual smiley self. It hey, must be something demonic going on. <laughs> I knew he wasn't right. Relationship is important. 
How do you expect people to serve you with a pure heart, but you don't love them with a pure heart? That was just a fill of sins. I'm not just pointing at you. I'm not pointing just a sentence. How can we expect our pastors to serve us with a pure heart and really our hearts and our motives are not pure for them? Do you know how annoying it could be for pastors that every time you talk to me, you want to preach? I preach every day. And you want to come up to me and you want to preach to me every day. I want a burger, bro. Man, can I take you to lunch? What are you doing this week? I, I'm not asking for pastoral counseling. I just want to make sure you okay. Chris and Joe are fairly newlyweds. You know, Joe act like he's been married for a long time. You know, he looked like he'd been married since he was born. Came. <laughs> Hey, how y'all doing? How's home? Marriage is challenging, y'all. Some of y'all in the room been married for 20, 30 years. You know how challenging marriage can be. How are things? Watch this. Watch this. Can I pay for you and your wife to go to dinner? Y'all need some time by yourself. Can I, can I, can I babysit the baby for you? This for me, y'all. I got five of them. Somebody can babysit my... I'm, I don't even need you to pay. Just come get the kids. <laughs> you want to see a move of God in your body, in this body? If you really want to see that happen, begin to love and care for one another beyond what we can do for one another. Yeah, I know that's strong, but it has to be. Begin to love and care for one another beyond what we can do for one another. I don't just love you because you're a good pastor. I love you because you're you. That's how the world will come to know Christ. I'm not just using you for your service. I get tired of people coming and oh, I shouldn't say this this way, but God be having me out here weird. I get, I get annoyed when people, every time they see me, want to ask me what's the word for today. I don't know, go read your Bible. Go read it. It's there for you too. I don't mind. No, I love the word of God. I don't mind talking about it. But every time you see me, if that's all you want to talk about, then I know the nature of this relationship. All I can do is help you understand the Bible. But we can't be friends. You don't really have genuine concern for what's going on in my life. Like, what, what if me and the wife just got into an argument and you want to come ask me what God's saying? I can't hear God. I hear my wife right now telling me I need to keep my shoes out the floor. It's all I hear right now. God, your word is awesome. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Has the ability to divide between bone and marrow. Separate soul and spirit. Help us, God, to love one another just as you loved us. Help us love and genuinely care for one another beyond our gifts, beyond our talents. God, I even want to take the time now to pray for those that may be dealing with broken, broken homes. Maybe, God, in the room there's a marriage that's on the rocks. has become a topic of conversation. I pray for reconciliation. God, you are the mender of broken hearts. You are the restorer of that was broken. I pray for reconciliation and restoration. For that marriage, I pray that you will rekindle the fire again. Maybe there's a marriage or a couple that's not talking about divorce, but things are tough. Even begin sleeping in separate rooms. Bring the love and joy back. 
parents who've turned turned their hearts away from their children because of lifestyle choices. I pray that you would mend the relationship. Don't let us just be people who call who who want people to serve you, God, and who want people to 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 follow these rules and guidelines outside of relationships. Let us turn away from our children because of their lifestyle choices. Help us to love unconditionally, just as you do. Even children that have turned their hearts away from their parents. Parents are too strict, whatever the case may be. Mend the relationship. God, even in our city, there's churches and leaders who genuinely don't like one another. I pray, God, that you would arrest that bitterness of heart. Hearts of stone will melt like wax before you. Heal places that are broken uh, due to mistreatment. I pray for healing of the heart. There may be anger, God. Heal that heart. Unforgiveness, heal that heart. God, I even take the time now to especially pray for the staff and, and, and leadership in this body. I pray, God, for a level of camaraderie and unity within the staff and leadership that's unseen. I pray that you will bring them to a place of unity where they'll begin to finish each other's sentences. God, you told Moses to select leaders who had his heart. I pray, God, that the staff and leadership here would begin to get Pastor Jeff's heart. That their hearts will become one. The vision for, for Renaissance will be one. One vision. I pray, God, that this will be a place, that this will be a place that's like a well where, the, where you would water those that are dry. And at times of worship, God, that supernatural healing and deliverance would take place in the aisles, would take place in the seats because of the unity that you've developed, the, the relationship that you're developing within the leaders and the staff. There would be such a power and presence in this place, God, that people will come in one way and literally leave another. these things in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the church at home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.